continue our next song, may we acknowledge the gracious love of our Lord. Words are not enough to tell you of our 
When the day draws to an end, and we're walking on dry land, that's the time God is in control. When our strength is not enough, and we walk with in this place God is with us here today we encounter the Father's grace when we lay our bread and fish offering our everything all will confess you God, our my God, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. As this was said through King David as he was in the desert, Lord, we cry out to you, you are our living water. Lord, fill us 
We are hungry and we are weary and we are thirsty. We do not want temporary water where we drink and we are thirsty again the next day. But Lord, we need the living water, the everlasting water from the well of life, from the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father, our King. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. For God, we are here and we are desperate to hear your word. Not only are we just listening, but we hear your word as well. We will follow you and we will do what you ask of us to do. Holy Spirit, strengthen us and cover us with your protection here today. And Lord, as you transition to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of everyone who's here listening may be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Heavenly Father, we love you. Heavenly Father, we need you. And may we always remember that you are always at work in our lives. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. 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 <clears throat> all right. God bless you, church. Welcome to the house of God. And it's a beautiful day. It's good to be here with you, to worship with you. And sadly, and also in an exciting way, we're finally coming to an end with the war series and part 10. This was a 10-part message. We will always have it saved on the website so that we can always reference back. But what a blessing it is to have learned what it means to put on the full armor of God. Amen? that we're in the midst of the war, that we need to be ready to fight. Not retreat, but to fight. Final part, the war, part 10. And the message, the title of today's message is called The Final Challenge. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, The Final Challenge? challenge. All right, let's begin. Our main passage here today is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21 to 24. It says, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen and amen and amen. And just quickly, I just want to go over with you and tie it all together with Ephesians 6 from the beginning and how Paul, he ends this letter. Going back to verse 10 of the same chapter, chapter 6, the heading says, the armor of God it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth 
buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I hope this is bring up and refreshing your memory. Goes on and Paul says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We've been on this for the last few weeks on prayer. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should, as I mentioned last week, on the word fearless, the fearless Christian. And here is how he ends the final greeting. Take against the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you may you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending it to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. And then, man, can we turn to our neighbor once again and say the final challenge? challenge. With an undying love. love. Amen. So let's begin right away with point number one. Are we dependable in Christ? Paul is making sure that, yes, the spiritual armor is important. Yes, prayer is important. Yes, fighting is important. But what are you going to do about it? Life comes down to relationships. It comes down to loyalty and dependability. If the church cannot be dependable, and if you do not have each other's backs, Paul is saying, it's in vain. Because it all comes down to relationships. It all comes down to supporting one another. Not supporting each other in sin, but supporting one another with an undying love, with what grace that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul here is ending this letter, but he's making sure that they truly understand that they are not alone. He reminds them of who? Maybe this is your first time hearing of this man, Tychicus. He was with Paul In Rome, in prison, he has been battle-tested. And we know that he is good. How do we know he is good? It's through the words of Paul. He is vouching for him. He's saying, I can send Tychicus, and he is reliable. So again, before we go into Tychicus, let me just finish our sub-point real quick. When I say, are we dependable in Christ, this is what I'm asking And this is what you need to ask yourself this question. A, trustworthy. B, accountable. With a question mark. C, responsible. D, truthful. E, reliable. F, honorable. G, consistent. H, committed. Do we have these characteristics? Is this in our character? Are we trustworthy? Are we accountable? Not proud, not independent, but accountable. 
accountable to our leaders, accountable to our brothers and sisters, responsible in your day-to-day responsibilities, truthful, are there lies coming out of your mouth, in your heart, deceit in your heart, reliable, again, same word as dependable, honorable, consistent, committed. Are you committed to, to the work, to do the work that the Lord has called us to do? Do we fall under the discipleship, not of the crowd, because they're not considered disciples, they're considered crowd and people who are part of the miracle, who are there just for the miracle? Are you there as a disciple of Christ, as Jesus says in Luke chapter 9 and in Luke chapter 14? He's saying that if you are committed to me, that you are a disciple of mine, and you will do what I ask of you to do. Are we dependable in Christ? And here, Tychicus, this character here, we learn from Paul's words that he was reliable. Again, how do we know this? One, through the words of Paul. And again, he was battle-tested. How was he battle-tested? While Paul was in his first imprisonment in Rome, Tychicus was right there, battle-tested. It was not a sellout, but he was right there with Paul. Verse 21 to 22, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. He calls Tychicus his dear brother, a faithful servant. He's saying that I will tell you, he will tell you everything so that you may also know that how I am and what I am doing. He will have the mind of Paul as Paul has the mind of Christ. We must all have the mind of Christ. Paul is saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I am sending him to you. For what purpose? That you may know how we are doing, how I'm doing, and also that he may what? Encourage, encourage, encourage. If he was not trustworthy, if he was not accountable, if he was not responsible, if he was not truthful, reliable, honorable, consistent, committed, Paul will not send him. Paul will keep him from being sent. And I am not asking from a mere human-to-human perspective when I'm talking about trustworthy, accountable, with a question, responsible, because even worldly people can be this way. If anything, sometimes people in the world are more trustworthy, are more accountable, are more responsible, are more truthful. But we need to make sure, again, and I say this in our deep roots church, it's always in Christ. It's not just from human to human perspective or relationship, from a worldly perspective, but it's talking about your relationship with who? Up. Point up. Point up vertically. Point up to who? to your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about how Jesus, he sees us, how the Lord sees us. Does he see someone? When he sees us, we are here today, we're over there today, flake, someone who only does when things are asked or we feel that we need to, we serve to look good. But when the Lord sees us and he sees our hearts, 
Does he see a true servant of God? And what is a mark of a true servant of God? Someone who goes on their knees to pray daily. Someone who goes to their study room to study daily. I'm talking about the word, not Spanish, but I'm talking about the word of God. Who goes to the place, again, the place is what? It's any place where you encounter God to pray, to meditate, to study God's word. Who goes to the secret place. The secret place is not to show off in front of people, to show people how holy we look, but to worship in the secret place, in the quiet place with the Lord. John 4, verse 23 to 24, and this is a scripture that I share at the nursing home with the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And this is what Jesus says to the Samaritan woman. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Amen and amen. Again, going back to point one, are we dependable in Christ? Second Chronicles 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. If you are fully committed to the Lord, when he sees the world, he will see you because he knows that your heart's desire is to be fully committed, not to the world, not to the success of this world, but you are fully committed to him. He will see throughout the world, throughout this earth, and he will strengthen you. Strengthen who? Those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Those who have a relationship with Christ. There are missionaries right now who are in prison. And we speak lightly as we say it because we hear it in the news. But these people, their lives are as valuable as our lives. And they have committed their whole lives to do the work of the mission field. To what? To spread the gospel. The gospel of peace. The gospel of love. The gospel of the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they're sitting in prison... Wrongly accused. God sees them and he strengthens them. He strengthens these individuals. As the Lord strengthened Paul as he was in prison to be able to write these letters that we find in the New Testament. And we see it through all of man of God and the woman of God in scripture, that the Lord sees those who love him. Even Job, in Job 31 verse 4, Job, he makes a profound statement. He says, does he not see my ways and count my every step? Right? We could wear our Fitbit, our iPhone with us. Oh, I, I, I walked this amount of 10,000, 12,000 steps. Do you know that with Fitbit, if you do this, it goes up. <laughs> I do this, it goes up, the steps keep going up. And but look, I did 20,000, look. But all I'm doing is this when I'm driving. But he determines and he sees every step that we take, even the number of hair 
on our heads. And that number changes daily because sometimes we lose hair, we pluck it out. He knows every millisecond of the description of our body, where we are and what we are thinking and what we are doing. He knows it all. Hebrews 4.13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing. Every crack, we recently cleaned the shed, and then what popped up? An animal. There was a deer living on the street. There was a bunch of bugs, bees. Nothing is hidden in the Lord's eyes. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And that's the scary thing. We gave an account to our Father. And I don't read this easily because it's a very scary thing to give an account to God. Psalm 14, 2, the Lord looks down from heaven and on all mankind to see if there are any, any, anyone there. Is there anyone here who understands? Anyone here who are seeking me? Anyone here who love me? Because if you are, I will come to you and I will rescue you. Psalm 33, verse 13, from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. All of us, whether we're hiding on the ground, he sees and he knows. He knows every step that you take, every breath that you take, every time you swallow, every time you blink. He knows, he knows it all. Nothing can be hidden from our Lord. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, the Lord came and stood there calling at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, and this is what we should all aim for. Speak, for your servant is listening. Here I am, Lord. I'm listening. And I will hear you. And I will follow you. And I will do what you ask me to do. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Yes, Lord, I may be paralyzed from chest to my feet. I may be on a wheelchair. Lord, I may not be able to speak the English language. Or I may not be an expert or the best at traveling. But Lord, here am I. Use me. Whatever it is, Lord, whatever it is, send me. Use me. Here I am. Because that is the question that the Lord is asking as he sees the world. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He wants to use you as his instrument for you to be his hands and his feet. For you to be his mouthpiece. Here I am. Send me. Send me. Send me. And before I share the last scripture here, even with the nursing we've been doing it now for a few years, it started off with the North, North Korea, with a yard sale that I helped these individuals who are older in their ears just to be involved. And now we're involved with nursing home. In the past, they would ask pastors here and there, and they could say they could come only maybe once, twice, 
at most three times a year, because it's once a month. And they go ahead and they will share their testimony and they would do this year after year after year. Until finally we decided to take on the baton and the mantle to continue the legacy of nursing home. And it's a blessing to be there every month because we never know when it will be the last month because of their health, because of their condition, because of where they are. But to be able to present the gospel to them, that is us putting into action, saying, here I am. Here am I. Send me. But all this comes from the secret place. This does not come from the outside in change transformation from the outside. The scripture is very clear that we need to be transformed from the inside out. What we do in the secret will come out and it will glorify the Lord. Or it will taint his reputation. Not that he is someone that needs us. And who are we to taint his reputation? But we will be used by the devil to change their outlook on who God is, and they will blame God, and we will turn them away from knowing the true God. That's why every day we need to live wisely in a careful manner by being what? Trustworthy, accountable, responsible, truthful, reliable, honorable, consistent, and committed to who? To the Lord, to our God in heaven. Matthew 6, 6 to 8, but when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Amen and amen. Again, going back to point number one, are we dependable in Christ, trustworthy, accountable, responsible, truthful, reliable, honorable, consistent, committed, not a human-to-human relationship, not in a worldly sense, because even worldly people or people who live just in the world on this earth can be this way, can have these characteristics, but I'm talking about vertically in your relationship with the Father, with your King, with Jesus. Point number two, are we unified in Christ. Are we unified in Christ? If the body of the church, the body of Christ, is not unified under the headship of Christ, again, Christ is the head and we are the body, we cannot and will not survive. We will not survive long. And again, see how I just said, under the headship of who? Of Jesus Christ. So this letter, yes, it was to the Ephesus church in the city of Ephesus. Hence, what's the name of this book that we just read? Ephesians. It's not just for the Ephesus church. But this letter, it transcends location and time. It's for all the churches, for all of generation, past, present, and future. 
It's a letter for the church, for us, not just for the Deep Roots Church, but for every church who are having their service here today all over the world. So point letter A, follow Christ as a head. That's what Paul is saying. Follow Christ as the head. Head meaning our captain, our general, the supreme commander-in-chief. B, follow God's chosen servants. And we know this because Paul here is using who? Tychicus as an example. He is a servant of God. Listen to him. Follow him. For he doesn't have the agenda of his own, but he has the agenda of what? Of the gospel, of the good news, of me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul is saying, follow God's chosen servants. And we see it throughout. We see it even with Titus. We see it even with Timothy, the letters to Timothy. And here we see another one, Tychicus. You know, in life, you know, we may be a small boy or a small girl, right? At one point we were immature. And we have room to grow. We are always growing, right? Growing in our faith. But one day through faithfulness and steadfastness and as we become physically older and mature in our mind, we learn to walk and step, as it says in Psalm 1, not in step of the wicked or like the wicked or be like the wicked or be with the wicked, but we walk in step of these godly men and women of God. And Ticket Kiss is one of that example. He's saying, follow him. As your example, Tychicus will come and he will encourage you. He will encourage you and he's going to strengthen you. Again, follow God's chosen servants. That's B. So going to letter C, lead as God's chosen servants. So again, B was follow God's chosen servants. And C is lead as God's chosen servants. I'm not saying fake it until you make it here. That's not what I'm talking about. But as you go in your secret place... As I mentioned earlier in Matthew 6, closing the door and going to the secret place and having and building that relationship, building that maturity with the Father. And the world will say, hey, you're too young. You know, it's okay. You're going to be a leader later. Not now, but later. But that's not true. You are not leaders later, but you are leaders now. Now. Now is the time. For tomorrow is not promised to any single one of us. But be careful. As you claim to be a leader now, a leader is not someone who is here in control of everything. But I'm talking about a servant leadership. Leadership, the example that Christ showed us, that Paul showed us, that these apostles have showed us through scripture. He's saying be humble and serve, not as a dictator, but serve. Be a humble servant leader. So we lead as God's chosen servants, so that one day we will be like Tychicus. And if God allows us to live to an older age, we become like John, the only apostle who did not die from martyrdom. If, we, if God decides to use us as Tychicus, then praise God. 
but serve the Lord now. Lead now, not tomorrow, not later, but today. Why do we do this? Letter D, pass the baton. How do we do this? Pass the baton. And why do we do this? E, for the next generation, for the next generation. Everything that we do here today is not for the now. It's not just for the service and it's finished. But everything we do is in preparation for what? The next generation, for the next step, to raise up young and women of God to what? To do God's chosen work. We don't want to lose any more young people. Do you hear me? We don't want to lose any more young people to the world. They have taken too many of them. Go out into the street and truly see who is serving the Lord, who is in the church, who is in the mission field, who's doing the work of God. There's not many. 99%, they all have walked away. That is that 1% who do it and who will follow him which leads us to the last sub-point here, for the glory of God. We do it for the next generation, and we do it for the glory of God. We do all of this for his glory. It's all for the glory of God, all for his glory. So when you see a podium on the stage, or when you see the stage in general at churches, I pray that you do not see me. I pray that you do not see the individual, or the praise team, but you see Christ only. When people come into Deep Roots Church, they don't see the people or the members with those worldly eyes, but they see Christ, the serving heart of Christ only, Christ glorified only, Christ crucified only, Christ resurrected only, the resurrected church of our Lord Jesus Christ with the message of the truth. And in the Christian community, we see here just quickly in Ephesians 6, what we just read, we see these traits. It must be prevalent in the church. It says love, peace, and he talks about this. Paul is talking about this in this final letter. He says love, peace, faith, grace, undying love. Undying love is sacrificial love. And if this undying love, sacrificial love is not here, we must pray that we become this type of church, that this becomes true in our churches, that this becomes true in my church, because this is your church as much as it is mine. It is a church of Jesus Christ, and we belong in the body, and he is the head, and he is the leader. Paul here says in verse 23 to 24, he says what? Peace. He doesn't say curse, peace. He doesn't say chaos, peace. Shalom to the brothers and sisters. And love, the agape love with faith from God the Father. Because agape love can only come from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. You must have an undying love for who? For Christ. For we will have grace. And the world has twisted this idea of love 
this definition of love. They think love is something that you purchase, you buy with a prostitute, with someone, one night stand. The world says love is love with the flag hanging everywhere, being tolerant and accepting of all sins. Churches, love is love. Jesus is love. So be tolerant and accepting of all love, quote-unquote love. No, tolerant love is not love. We know this through scripture. Being tolerant of sin is not love. The scripture makes it very clear. It is an abomination to God. But the love that Paul here, he's talking about here in Ephesians 6, as he's ending here with the armor of God, with prayer, and he's encouraging the church, the Ephesus church, with Tychicus. He's talking about the undying love, the undying love that you have to Christ, of Christ, the sacrificial love of Christ who loved us and died for us. And because we know that this infinite God, who was, who was a perfect human being, fully man, fully God, he showed us what it means to love, to serve his people, and to love them, and at the same time, correct them. It shows us how to love and how to live. It is a love of humility. It is a love of discipline. It is a love of correction. I'll say it again. It's a love of humility. It's a love of discipline. And it's a love of correction. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 to 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son, he delights in. So when we are disciplined in life, we must take delight in it. Don't resent it. But be grateful that he is disciplining us. Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 13. Heading says, God disciplines his children. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? Again, this is about discipline. This is about correction. But here, the same word, encourage, is used. Remember Tychicus? It says in Ephesians 6, it says Tychicus will come and he will encourage you. And here in Hebrews, the author, he's saying the word of encouragement. What is this? What is this word of encouragement? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. He's talking about discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. What we just read in Proverbs chapter 3. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his sons. He chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, everyone undergoes discipline. Then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Why would they care what the child of another person is doing? They do not care. They do not lose sleep. When, when someone else's child is kidnapped, they do not lose sleep at all because it doesn't concern us. And that's a cold statement. But God's heart breaks for his children because he loves you. That's why he's willing to discipline you. And he desires and he wants you. He wants to discipline you. Moreover, we have... All had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. 
Keep in mind, respect comes later because we learn later. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They discipline us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good. Why? Because he is perfect in order that we may share in his holiness. Discipline leads to what? Holiness. Why does he discipline us? So that you can be holy. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's training. That's what happens when we are disciplined. Therefore, strengthen. Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, strengthen your feeble arms. Go like this. Yeah. Come on, strengthen your feeble arms. Don't have noodle arms. Flex them. And then weak knees. Your knees need to be strong. Strong knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather heal. Amen. And amen. It all comes from the fruit of discipline. So to those who are so-called Christians and are tolerant of sin, and say, they say love is love everywhere. And they bring children into these ideologies and these teachings. We affirm shows, drag shows, the alphabet community. We are not a true disciple of Jesus Christ. We are not a true Christian. There's no way. Because we know that love, true love, is not tolerant love, but it is a serving love, servant love, disciplined love, correcting love, which leads to holiness, correction. If we're not corrected, we go back, and we are the same way. In fact, we're worse because we think we can get away. That's why we see so much crime happening, especially now and nowadays, because they're not being charged. These criminals are being let go. And then they think they can do it again and again and again. They don't go to a correctional facility. And then someone has to die. Something tragedy has to happen. Even then, we don't bring correction. But again, in the Christian community, in the Christian church, the final challenge that Paul is saying here, this is non-negotiable. Encouragement equals discipline. This is non-negotiable. You can lie, you can cry, you can shout. But this, the pieces will never fit in unless we are disciplined by the Father. Only in Christ can we truly experience undying love for Christ and for each other in the community of the church. So again, point number two is, are we unified in Christ? How do we become unified? We follow Christ as a head, follow God's chosen servants. For example, Tychicus, see, lead as God's chosen servants, pass the baton, 
for the next generation, for the glory of God. That is why we do it, for the next generation and for the glory of God. And our last point here, point number three, and I've said this before in a message, in a sermon, I'm going to say it again until it's ingrained within us. It's part of you in a, as a muscle memory. It is within you that it cannot be taken out. It's are you repenting in Christ? Are we repenting in Christ? He calls us to repent. And unless we repent genuinely each and every single day, we will never be and we are not true Christians. A true Christian will repent each and every single day. Keep in mind, again, to the church, the Ephesian church in Revelation, what does Jesus say? Out of one of the seven churches, he says what? To the Ephesian church, he says in Revelation 2, 4 to 5, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. What does it say? Repent. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You will no longer be used. You will no longer be useful. You are a dead lamp. A dead lamp is nothing but nothing good for. For what? For nothing. It's good for nothing than to just throw it away. As Christians, we must be the light, the salt, and the light. Not our own light, not our own salt, but the salt of Christ, the kingdom of God. Letter A, pray for forgiveness daily. That's what it means to repent. B, pray for everything daily. C, pray everywhere daily. D, pray in the spirit daily. E, put on the form of God daily. F, receive his priceless, costly grace daily. I'll say it again. Receive his priceless, costly grace daily. And then lastly, G, love him with an undying love daily. Amen and amen. Like that song, grace, grace, to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Again, let's together, right? Grace, grace, to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Let's continue. Give me an undying love for you. Give me an undying love for you. Lord, won't you set my heart aflame? Lord, won't you set my heart aflame with passion for your name? Give me an undying love for you. Lord, won't you take me to the cross? I count it all as loss. Please burn away the dross so that nothing else remains. But undying love for you. But an undying love for you. With an undying love. 
with an undying love. Don't let anyone tell you that your love is imperfect. I mean, it is imperfect. Therefore, you cannot have undying love. That's not true. As Christ loves us unconditionally, and he loves us enough to discipline us, we too, as his children, we need to love him with a undying, undying love, as it says here in our main scripture here today. Grace, Paul ends his letter in verse 24, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And if you love him with an undying love, we will be repenting every single day. And the key word here is daily. The emphasis is on daily. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the days are short. What you do today will echo for tomorrow. To tomorrow for the rest of your life. For all of eternity, it will echo. The shortest thing in life is life itself. There's nothing shorter than life. Don't get it twisted. There's nothing more shorter than life itself. And the scripture makes it very clear that you understand that. You think that you're young, you're a teenager. You think you have many years to live. You do not. That is a lie from the enemy. It's a deception. It's like when you're walking up the steps, like you want to go faster, right? Sometimes you want to go faster. And what do you do? You skip a step. And you think that you are getting more exercise, but it's an illusion that it's an illusion that you think that you are going faster, but in fact you are taking the same amount of steps. It's just an illusion. Life is short. Just because you are healthy today doesn't mean that you will live forever. You are here today and gone. Gone. And scripture makes it very clear. James 4, Psalm 89, Psalm 102, Psalm 102, verse 3, 102, verse 11, Psalm 144, Proverbs 27. That's just a few to name. It says, don't make plans for tomorrow. Today or tomorrow we'll go do this and that. Spend a year there and carry on my business and make money and I do this. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know. What is your life? You are missed that up here for a little while and then you vanish. Instead, what you need to say is, if it is God's will, we will live and do this and that. Remember that your life is fleeting. All throughout scripture, it says, your life is like a shadow. A wither away like grass. <sighs> Breath. Today and gone tomorrow. Fleeting shadow. Boasting about tomorrow, forget about it. You don't know what it will bring. We must pray what Job prayed. Job 7 and Job 14. It's easy to remember because Luke 9 and then Luke 14. Originally, I, I thought it was Luke 7, but it's 9. So Job 7, Job 14 says, Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. Job 14, mortals born of women are a few days and full of trouble. 
They spring up like flowers and wither away like fleeting shadows. They do not endure. Amen. Are we repenting? Because your days are short, you need to repent. You need to repent. You need to pray for forgiveness daily. You need to pray for everything daily. Pray everywhere daily. Pray in the spirit daily. Put on the former of God daily. Receive his priceless, costly grace daily. Love him with an undying love daily. Yes, God loves you. That is true. But let's flip it. Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love him with an undying love? Paul here, he certainly does. Tychicus here, he certainly does. To the Ephesus church, the letter that he is writing to in Ephesians here, he's hoping that the church will also, the members within this church will also love him. Will love not him, Paul, not Tychicus, not a human being, but to love vertically, to love Jesus with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And in turn, as they pray and worship in the secret place, as I mentioned in Matthew 6, he is hoping and praying that they will love one another also and serve one another also with an undying Love. Amen. And amen. Paul says this. And I'm closing with this. The final letter. Tychicus. The dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord. Will tell you everything. So that you also may know how I am. And what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose. That you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And you see this type of letter, this type of closing echoing throughout all of Paul's letters. Here's what he says to Titus. He says, as soon as I send Artumus, or Tychicus to you. Tychicus is mentioned again in the book of Titus. And I hope that our circle is small and that there are a few people that we trust, a few people that we will rely on and work with over the years. Do your best to come to me in Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. Do everything you can to help Zenus, another individual, the lawyer, and Apollos, another individual, on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me, whoever Paul was with as he wrote this letter, sends you greetings. Obviously, they know each other. Greet those who love us in the faith. Amen and amen. There is no greater community than the Christian community. But these days, I don't know. I don't know what happened to the Christian community, to the Christian faith. But I pray that we will have grace 
and love and faith and undying love. And here's how Paul ends. Grace be with you all. Amen and amen. Amen. I want to challenge you here today, especially with everything going on in the world and with, again, the title, The War, Part 10, The Final Challenge. I want to challenge you. to evaluate your life. Do you truly love God with an undying love? Luke 9, Luke 14, that is not just a simple statement that we make. When we make these commitments and when we make these promises to the Lord, we're saying, Lord, whether I'm in prison, whether I have everything plenty, or whether I have nothing and I am in need, Lord, blessed be your name. But it is a guarantee and a promise that you have these two promises. And don't forget this. Number one, he will always come to your rescue. You have Christ. That's number one. And number two, you have the Christian community all over the world, throughout the world, in the mission field. That's why there is no greater community than the Christian community community but we need to pray for our community because nowadays I am not sure people don't feel safe or protected in churches a lot of people have left the church and they have left the faith but I pray that we will remember that this is the war yes we put on the former of God Yes, it's for your protection. It's for your family's protection. Yes, that's good. It's for you to grow and mature in your faith. That's good. But what is it all for? What is all this for? It's for the next generation. It's for the glory of God. It is for the church. It is for the church. It is for the church. Yes, it's for the glory of God. It's for the church. For the next generation. All for the glory of God. And I ask, praise him to just uh, stay put because I want all of us to come together. You know, we don't need music. We don't need any of that. All that is an extra. It's a blessing. That's good. But what are we going to do when the headset comes off? What do we do when we're alone in the midst of our own struggles and trials and temptations? You need to only look up and pray to the Father. Because there will come a time we won't have scripture at hand because they will take it away from us. All you can rely on is the Holy Spirit and what you have memorized and studied here and what you have cherished and rooted in your heart. That's why I say memorize scripture, know the scripture. I may not know scripture word for word because I'm not that smart, But I know it enough where I know exactly the meaning and the context and where it is, the ordering of the scripture, at least know the ordering of the Bible, know the names of the disciples, just know the things. The more you study, the better you are, the better prepared you will be for the future because you don't know what it's going to bring. Persecution, the end times, prison, You got to be ready. 
You need to prepare yourselves. As Paul says, don't live unproductive lives. You say, oh, I'm pretty productive. I wake up, you know, 5, 3 o'clock in the morning. I go to the gym. I fast, intermittent fast, and I exercise. I do cardio fast, fast the cardio, and I do this, and I make myself breakfast. I make myself smoothie, protein. Oh, that's not productive. Yes, those are good things. Those are extra things that we can have in this life. But that's not the productivity that we're talking about. Productivity means being available, listening and hearing. Yes, this is Lord. What do you want me to do? Yes, I will serve. Yes, I will provide and I will give and I will do what you need me to do. Being ready. Being ready. Being ready. We're not called to be Achilles. We were just like lone soldiers going there, not listening to the command and chain of command and going and doing, being a lone soldier, like Rambo doing whatever, killing thousand people, and they don't even get shot. And they're shooting, but this is shooting all around, but they're, they're okay. That's not how it works. We need to listen to the command of our chief. When he says, go, go. When he says, stay, stay. He says, be on the sideline, be on the sideline. It is time to go up on stage, go up. But whatever you do, you do it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for anyone else. Paul's letter, Paul's challenge is very simple. It's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. And I pray that we will all be like Tychicus, ready. Ready, ready. In the secret place, Matthew 6, ready. When he calls us, we say, I'm ready, Lord. Here I am. Use me. Use me as you will. And as Samuel said in 1 Samuel 3, here I am, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. Amen and amen. pray nothing else more than for you to be like the Job of this generation, for you to be like Paul of this generation, Joshua, Caleb of this generation. All may turn to idols and worship the golden calf and the other gods of the land, but I pray that you will know and you'll stand firm in your faith and you'll worship one God like Daniel. Worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Yahweh, Elohim, Jehovah Rapha, the one who loves us, the one who died for us. And his name is Yeshua, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, amen and amen. So with that, with our head bowed, can we just all come together now and... Don't worry about the music. Don't worry about anything else. Just between you and the Father, let's just take a moment. I know without the music, it could be, we could be a little self-conscious with, you know, other people hearing our voices. Um, But don't worry about what they will hear. It's not about that. It's about between you and him. If you want to whisper, whisper. But let's commit our hearts and recommit our life 
back to the Father. And again, this is the final challenge on the theme of the war. Let's just turn to him, remembering all the messages of the past, and let's just surrender our life to him. May we repent and ask him for strength, and may we ask the Lord to give us, Lord, that undying love for him and for his people. And not only that, that you will love him and that you will choose to love him with an undying love. Let's pray together. What is it all for? What is it all for, God? What was all the service of the past? All the work that was done? All the chair that was put away? All the floor that was swept? Every time we drove, we spent our budget on food, serving giving donations and offering, Lord. Serving the poor, going to the nursing home, praying, singing worship songs, preaching. Lord, what was it all for? What was it all for, God? May we know what it was for. It was for your glory. It was for your glory and for your honor honor of your name it's for the next generation God that's what it was for it was to be deeply rooted in your love that's what it was for in this fallen generation God that's what it was for to stand strong in our faith so that we can become the salt and the light but Lord forgive us God we've been tainted with our own salts and with our own strength, the light that we try, the fire that we start, we try to start on our own strength. But Lord, it is by your power and your might. It's by the Spirit of God that will strengthen us, that will help us to overcome so that we can be true salt and light in this generation. Heavenly Father, come and have your way within us. We love you and we need you. Lord, we love you and we need you. Holy Spirit, come and have your way within us, oh God. Holy Spirit, we need you.
Father, as Paul declared, uh, just like the song that we sang earlier, may we remember the final words of Paul. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. That is the final challenge. To love you, Lord, with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbor as ourselves. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. I pray you will strengthen these feeble arms of these young people. I pray for this next generation. That you'll raise up men and women who are strong in their faith, unyielding to the world, only yielding to you and you alone, unwavering in their faith, but standing firm, strong in the full armor of God, that they will pursue after you and you alone in this generation. We pray, God, you would help our church to be the true salt and to be the true light in this generation. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. Grace be with us all. So help us, God. We love you. We need you. For all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. Let's all stand to our feet and let's close our service with our final song, The Path of Life in Jesus. Oh, 
Amen. Let's go back to our seat uh, where we were. And again, the title and the final sermon for this series is The War, Part 10, The What? The Final Challenge. Not just for the Ephesian church, not for the Ephesus church, but for all the churches, past, present, and future, for all the Christian community that is existing here today. Amen? Amen. Amen. With that, let's close our service with the benediction. God bless you. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways, but according to your love, remember me, remember us, for you, Lord, are good. And now to him who is able to keep you and present you blameless, pure, and holy before his holy presence, may you continue to know and encounter the unending love of the Father. And may the Lord continue to pursue after you, guide you, lead you forevermore. And also with that, as Paul concluded, in his benediction in Ephesians 6, peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Grace be with you all here and forever on, forevermore. And as God's people we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you.